Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. I am Mecca Don, here with my co-host, V. What's up? Today is December 12th, 2019. Thank you guys for tuning in. I know you could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. It's Heisman Week. So on today's show, we'll talk to Andre Griffin, the son of the only two-time Heisman Trophy winner ever, about life with a famous dad. We'll also talk to Van Lathan about the best hip-hop voices of all time, plus debate LSU versus Ohio State. We'll talk some fantasy football, and we'll talk with our resident college football insider, Zach Smith, about the college football playoff, and if individual postseason awards can have an effect on performance. But let us start with fantasy football. Here we go, here we go, here we go. (laughs) On last week's show, we told you guys there was a huge matchup. V and I coincidentally were matched up. In the first round of the fantasy football playoffs, we listed our teams and we had you guys vote online, actually, who you guys thought were going to win. And coincidentally, it was actually about a 50-50 split. Mechadon brought the hammer. You guys, you guys can hear the happiness in his voice right now. But yeah. you know, It was a crazy game. So listen, I ended up winning by about 20 points. But I will say that V did have some unfortunate events happen in that game. Well, I lost Devontae Parker to a concussion. Mm-hmm. Um, he was probably headed to another 20-plus point game. And Mark Andrew, Mark Andrews got hurt. Um, and came back, though, but he got hurt. He came back, but he missed the 61-yard touchdown to a tight end that would have been his. Yeah, Hayden Hurst got that touchdown. Hayden Hurst got that touchdown. But, you know, what I always like to tell people about fantasy is some people want to say it's all luck, right? And mm-hmm. Some people want to say it's all skill. Right. The truth is, like, how we measure success is putting yourself in a position to win. And this is true in life and sports. Mm -hmm. And whatever happens, happens, right? Like, I had some injuries, but at the end of the day, you could have won that game. I could have won that game. But you got to get into the dance. That's what I always say, too. You just get into the dance, and anything can happen in a one game scenario. That's true in in life as well. But you got to get in and put yourself in position. So, yes, I am happy that I won that game. Um, I do have an actually pretty tough matchup this week uh, against. Our boy Kyle, he's got a pretty sick team. Um, he's always got a good team. It's it's funny in our league. It's like the same handful of teams are always in the in the dance, always right? fighting. Yeah. And so when people tell me it's all luck, it's like okay, then why is it this consistency shown year in and year out? Exactly. You know like I mean? last year, you beat me in the semifinals. Yep. And then went on to win the championship. So yeah, that def- that definitely happens. But we will see. I'll let you guys know um, on social media at Pilot Boys Pod. Obviously, my team versus the guy that I'm playing against, and um, you guys will let let us know again what you guys think about it. Uh, when we get back, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we will be here with Andre Griffin, who is the son of two-time Heisman Trophy winner Archie Griffin, and it's Heisman week, so you don't want to miss we're that. We're going to make him strike a pose. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Pilot Boys podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple and Spotify and follow us on social media, at Pilot Boys Pod on Twitter and at Pilot Boys Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Pilot Boys on YouTube. Don't forget, sharing is caring. You're listening to the Pilot Boys Podcast. We have a very special guest in the building. 
a former member of the Ohio State University football team. He graduated from Ohio State University in 2002 and soon after began his coaching career. Most recently, he was the head football coach and program coordinator at Lima Senior High School in Ohio from 2016 to 2019. He's also the son of former two-time Heisman Trophy winner Archie Griffin, and it's Heisman Week. Please welcome to the show, Andre Griffin. Griff, what's up? Appreciate what's up, Griff? man? You know, it's always good to be with my brothers. We grew up together down in Columbus and, and played ball together, me and Mecca. And then VU was always with us. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. V was always with us. V was, was, a, v was an honorary member of the Ohio State University. Y'all used to team. try to get me into the club saying I was the kicker. I remember yeah. that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. People <laughs> believed it. It was funny. Yo, Griff, thanks for, for joining us, man. Um, honestly, we've, like you said, we went to school together and obviously have a history there. And we followed your career and, you know, been fans of yours and your family for a long period of time. So it's just, a, it's an honor to have you on the show. And uh, we're just going to jump right into it. You know, we, um, you know, it's Heisman week, right? So anytime you think of Heisman, you have to think of Archie Griffin. He is the only two-time Heisman Trophy winner ever. And we're going to touch on that a little bit, uh, a little bit later. But f- before we get to that, I want to ask you a kind of a couple personal things. Um, you know, your resume is kind of littered with coaching. And it appears that, you know, after you graduated from Ohio State, that that's something that you really put an emphasis on. What was it that made you want to get into coaching? Well, obviously, you know, I was born into football, mm-hmm. um, played football all the way till I was about 22, uh, walked on to Ohio State. So for me, personally, I wanted to give back. Yeah. Um, the way to give back to the youth for me is, is my knowledge. I'm not a math teacher. I'm not a science teacher. I'm a football coach. Right. And uh, that's what I teach, teach lessons. Even the program that we do up in Lima, which is called CTAG, Closing the Achievement Gap, um, is mentoring young athletes, young, young students, young girls, and yeah. young men. To become men in life, so that's what I really wanted to do. And you know, I'm not a millionaire or anything like that. So that's the way I give back. And where did where did you where do you feel like you got that kind of desire to give back from? Where did that where did that come from? Is something that you've always had since you were younger? Well, it's family. You know, the yeah. Griffins. You know, not just my dad. You know, my dad has six brothers and, and one sister, and they've always given back to the community. Yeah. And my grandfather, he was actually a Golden Glove boxer. If you guys didn't know that, wow. But, uh, wow. He was a Golden Glove boxer, and and he worked. You know, the old story come from West Virginia things of that nature and he's always worked and plants and things like that so yeah where 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 did you grow up um I was born on the east side and then when my parents split um I grew up in in Shaker Heights Ohio in, in Cleveland area and uh you know if you know Nate Clements mm-hmm. um Adrian mm-hmm. Clark you know those guys were under me I tell those guys all the time <laughs> they, were, they were under me right. I was the first MVP of that team and uh those guys obviously had had the career to go go there but uh you know if you know me I'm Cleveland Cleveland by nature, yep. even though my dad played for Cincinnati, you know, I don't mind Cincinnati, but I'm a Cleveland Brown, right. Cleveland Cavs, Cleveland Indians Cleveland guy. Cleveland everything. I yeah. love it. We're Cleveland guys, too. So speaking of your family, you know, you have, like you, you just mentioned, you have a very kind of rich history of, of athletics and achievement in your family. And I guess one question that I always wonder, that I never really asked you before today, really, was if you ever felt kind of the pressure, not just to follow in your father's footsteps, now that I hear about your grandfather, I mean, to follow in that footstep of kind of, you know, high athletic achievement? Um, it, it was. It was some pressure. But uh, um, for me, you know, like I said, I didn't make it to the NFL or anything like that. And growing up, you know, when we went to Cleveland, it was a little bit different. They knew who my dad was. They knew who my family was. But it wasn't the same. I, I mean, you guys probably know my brother, obviously, um, mm-hmm. Adam. 
You know, yeah. he, he played after me, but he grew up. He with, went to DeSales, right? He went to DeSales. It's my high That's school. Yes, Stallion Pride, baby. <laughs> yes, sir. Wow. Yes, sir. And, you know, I saw him play all the time, but he had a little bit more pressure in my eyes um, just because he was in Columbus with the media, mm. things of that nature. So for me, it was just natural. And uh, I know I know we're going to get into it, but my dad was just, you know, a normal dad, just like your dad, everybody, V's dad, everybody else's dad. Yeah. You know, just a good dad to look after and look after us and, and his family and, and things of that nature. Right. Did you have any, did you have a dream of playing at Ohio State when you were younger or was it something that? And that's a great, yeah. great story. So yeah. if you, <laughs> if you know me, um, you know, I, I grew up around Ohio State, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was an athletic director for Ohio State. Um, I used to go to camps, you know, under Earl Bruce. You right. know, I used to go to camps. I was five, six years old. Urban Meyer used to play with me. Wow. When I was six, seven years old. That's crazy. So obviously, you know, Carlos Snow, all those yeah. guys. I don't know if, if, you, if the course. audience is young yeah. or what, but right. um, Carlos Snow, I used to look look up at Carlos Snow, Scotty Graham, those guys. Yeah. And uh, so man. obviously, yeah, I wanted to play there. Um, I walked on to Ohio State. So the first school that I went to, I actually transferred to Ohio State. I went to Lindenwood University. Which is in St. Louis, Missouri, mm, okay. and uh, they gave me a whole bag of money. You know, so I was, I was just chasing the money, right? You know, yeah. but after after a year or so, you know, I was just like, man, I, I got to go to where I always wanted to go, and yeah. obviously with the coaches, and I knew half the coaches, uh, Coach Collins and all those guys right. were there. And, Coach Spencer uh, Coach was Conley, I'm sorry, Coach Conley. He was a recruiting Co- coordinator then at that time, yeah, right? Coach Conley was a recruiting coordinator. Coach Spence. Was the running back coach? Yeah, where's Coach Spence coaching now? He's in the NFL. He, isn't he's he? out right now. Okay, um, he's out right now. He was he's with, with the Bucks, Tampa, right? He was with Tampa Bay last time, um, and then uh, now he's out. He's just living in Chicago um, right now. But uh, obviously, I wanted to go there, and uh, you know, so I did, and I never regretted it. I should have went there straight out of out of high school. But obviously, you get into your feelings, and yeah. you ain't get the scholarship and, and all those types of things. But, For sure, uh, you know, academically, I know you had that conversation. Yeah, <laughs> last week, but. Uh, you know, academically, you know, it was a challenge. Yeah. You know, I thought Ohio State was a great challenge for us. And, uh, you know, we did a great job and obviously graduated in 2002 and then just went that that way. So I never regret that decision. Yeah. And and just playing at Ohio State is such an honor, right? Like, it doesn't matter if you're Chris Carter or you're the walk-on who's – but to be on that team is something special that a lot of people just dream of experiencing. How did you – take that experience, not just the honor, but how do you think the experience at Ohio State impacted you as a man and as, as a person once your football career was over? Well, it's a, it's a fraternity. It's a big fraternity, you know, with 50,000 or whatever, how many hundreds of thousands of alumni we have. And, mm-hmm. and we joke around with it. I was at the, the game last week, and in the suite that I was in, it was all running backs. And <laughs> yeah. Raymond Harris, Carlos Snow, um, Keith Byers, you know, things wow. you can't, you can't, Get over those types of connections, yeah. you know, and that's the biggest thing is connections. And uh, you know, I, I wanted to be a Q growing up. My cousins on my other side wanted to be a Q, but Ohio State is their fraternity within itself, so you can't yeah. beat that at all. Right. So that that's another thing too. You know, you're 100 percent right with the with the fraternity aspect of, of it. You know, even years later, guys that I've connected with, like like Chris Carter, someone just mentioned. You know, he's a friend of mine now. That, but I don't. I didn't know Chris Carter growing up. We're not even in the same generation. Right. But just being in part of that fraternity, you know, those things kind of start to start to happen organically. It's pretty amazing. And I kind of actually want to ask you a little bit about that too, um, as it relates to your dad, right? So obviously your dad, Archie Griffin, two-time Heisman Trophy winner. Everybody knows him. It was amazing. You know, his career was amazing. His story is amazing. And even the things that he's gone to do after football have been amazing. 
And I guess my question to you is, tell us, take us inside. What is it like? What was it like being a young kid, you know, 10, 11, 12, being the son of Archie Griffin? What, what, what? Everywhere you went, people yeah. were coming up to you. Yeah. Talk pushing to pushing you out of the way to get to your dad. Well, it was interesting because if you guys know my family, obviously you know me and, and you do know my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my dad is, is a superstar that don't know he's a superstar. Right. Mm-hmm. If you understand what right. I'm saying, if you can take that that way. So, yes. you know, it, it was more, um, Different in some ways as far as, you know, when people, you, you go to dinner and it still happens to this day. You go to dinner, people come up to you and, and look, man, we're, we're, we're trying to eat. Right. You know what I'm saying? My <laughs> right. dad will, will separate things and, and go ahead and talk to him. But mm-hmm. uh, as far, like I said before, you know, he was my dad. Right. You know, he was my dad. You know, he, he whooped me. Yeah. When I was young. Yeah. You know, he disciplined me mm-hmm. and, and he mentored me. Right. All the way through. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's a great dad and he does great things, you know, and it was just normal to me. You know, I, I remember doing the interview. Um, in high school, and they were like, how, they asked these questions all the time. And uh, what I said was, you know, he's my dad. You know, I, uh, you know, he has an ugly number. I tell him that all the time. <laughs> number forty-five is an ugly number. You know, it, it, it's, I was number twenty-five. It's his though, right? Yeah, you know, no tailbacks these days. Where number forty-five? No, no. 45. But he made it himself. You yeah, know, and uh, like I said, he's he's a great guy. And uh, you know, it was, it was experiencing, but you you got used to it. If you understand what I'm saying, you got mm-hmm. used to it. You know, we went to bowl games. Um, growing up, um, you know, obviously I I, I spent time with my mom's side for Thanksgiving, and then on, on, on my dad's side for Christmas because we used to go to that. So we got used to those types of things. Did you did you you probably enjoyed the perks? Did you recognize the perks that you were getting as a kid, like Absolutely. going to these bowl games, always getting VIP access? Absolutely, you everywhere know, you guys went. You know that's funny too because you know when we went to the bowl games as a, as a players. I was saying, man, I used to get these gifts all the time anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? I used to get these gifts just being the son. So right. I was used to it. So obviously if you're getting, you know, gear and, and, and you know, at the time it was some, um, I forgot what the Nintendo system was, but, uh, you know, you get those types of systems for Christmas, you know, obviously, yeah, you know the perks. Right. You definitely yeah. know the perks. Did you ever, did you ever wish like, you know, obviously it's your dad and you love him, but did you ever wish like, man, fuck, I, w- I wish this wasn't my dad. I wish this wasn't my life. I wish... I just don't want all of this attention all the time. Did that did that ever happen to you at all? No, that's never happened for yeah. us. Um, not that I can think of. For me personally, I'm just talking about myself. I don't yeah. know, you know, my brothers. I got an older brother and a younger brother. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that happened for them. For me, you know, like I said, you know, it was, it was my dad. You know, I can remember seeing pictures of us at, at, at the Bengals training camps. You know, when we're two or three years old. So yeah. it's, just, it's just normal, right? You know, it's just normal for us. So um, yeah. no, I never thought about that at all. Give us some, um, so let's talk about the Heisman a little bit too, because, you know, it's Heisman Trophy Week, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it's such a big award, and it's it's so prestigious, you know, in all of sports, not just in college sports. It's probably the most prestigious individual honor, probably in all of sports, at least that we recognize, a huge ceremony. And, you know, there's certain things that we know about it. We know there's a ceremony on Saturday, you know, you know we know that. It's televised. But is there anything about it, about the award or the fraternity or anything secret that we don't know that you're allowed to share with us that you know maybe our listeners would like to hear too well it's just like you know like we talked about fraternity but that's a huge fraternity Mm -hmm. i can remember um for me on the 25th anniversary of my dad's second heisman we was actually in school it was 1999 Mm -hmm. and uh so me and my older brother and the family went out there and uh the biggest thing that i took out of it is I met Jay Z that night, but <laughs> that was, you know that was different. That was yeah. at the beginning of the, yeah. of the, of the rock of Rockefeller. Yeah, but uh, um, Ron Dane won it that year. But those guys, you know, they they kick it, they get in. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And, and people that you see, you know, Tony Dorsett. 
I can remember. Obviously, I'm a running back. Yeah. But uh, Tony Dorsett and all those guys from you know in the Oklahoma, they 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 won a lot of Heisman's back in the day. You know, those guys are wild and they crazy. So, <laughs> right. You know, and it brings them back to their youth. You yeah. Know, and the fun like that. But uh, you know, it's a long weekend. You know, yeah. just if you don't know, you know, my dad's out there now. He stays out there all week. You know, now they got the Heisman, uh, the high school Heisman. Oh, wow. um, so they do something on, on on Friday night, and then they do the announcement, obviously, on uh, on Saturday night that you see on ESPN. Yeah. And Sunday they have like a breakfast, and then Monday is actually the awards. Wow. So they stay out there on Monday, and it's a big banquet downtown, and people don't see that. So that's something on the inside that you probably don't know. So when, when Troy when Troy Smith won in uh, it was the two thousand and seven, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, he came to New York, and we, were, V and I, were in New York then. We were actually throwing parties in New York at that time, so we got. I to remember hang- that. Yeah, <laughs> so we got to <laughs> hang out with him, and and uh, the parties were crazy. But I'm sure you've been to some crazy parties or seen some crazy parties too, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we definitely, obviously, I can remember some. I ain't gonna go to y'all's parties <laughs> when we was in college, but y'all had some of the best house parties oh, that yeah. I can remember. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? oh yeah. But definitely been in, 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 at some great parties. You know, they, those guys. You know, just just think about who you are and, and what you did as young. It's just right. you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, and now some sixty year olds out there and they just have fun and they think they're with their brothers and, and they get it in for sure. As right. the only two time Heisman trophy winner, like during that week, do you feel like he's kind of held like as the king of, oh, the, yeah. of the Heisman? Yeah, they look at him as as you know, especially now that he's about the, uh he's sixty five years old, so they look up, up to him, even like Tony Dorsett, all those guys look up to him. You know, they they bow down to him, Archie, and all, they do all those types of things. So definitely they look up to him. And and for me, I think sometimes, as you can, if you've been following the last 10, 15 years, there's been uh, student athletes that could have won the Heisman twice. Yeah. But for some reason, they don't get voted. Right. Some of them deserve to get that second one. Lamar Jackson is is, is the most recent. Yeah, yeah he definitely you know? deserved it. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes I think they take that uh, thing. My dad thinks someone should win it twice. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he thought um, Tim Tebow was going yeah, to win I it remember. three times. Yeah. Right. So he's right. always thought his records are made to be broken. So he's always been that way. So what, one last question on your dad. I'm just, I'm just curious. You know, obviously he's two-time Heisman Trophy winner. He was the biggest thing. His NFL career was was shortened. Was it shortened by injury? Yep. Um, well, he. You know, if you if you follow the NFL. Um, you know, for a running back, and, and you guys see with Zeke and all those guys, but uh, usually it's about three years. Yeah. Um, but he played eight years. Oh, you know, he did played he? he played seven years for the Bengals. Okay. And then he played one year in the USFL. That's throwing it back right there. Yeah. But the USFL for Jacksonville. So he played eight years. Okay. But eight years is a long time. It's a long time in the yeah. NFL. And uh, um, it's Achilles. You know, back then, you wasn't coming back from You're Achilles. You're not coming back from Achilles so, back then, yeah. Um, and people don't understand this, too. Back then, they had uh, – Six preseason games, so he Jeez. would leave. They would they wouldn't have no off season. You know their off season they would be at home. So we lived in Columbus, and he played in Cincinnati, not too far. But people did that um, all over the place, and uh, they got in about July first, I want to say, and their camp was all the way through August. Think about that for our football wow. players. Crazy. You know, you yeah. start camp in July, and then you're ending in uh, August. That's crazy. So what? Uh, and what is he? So how does he? When he talks about football now, what is he? What does he think of it now? What does he think of this kind of the state of football? Um, he likes it. Obviously, you know, he's uh you know, he's always gonna be a little bit critic. Uh, you know, those old guys, they they always critic in our day, you right. know, and all that type of stuff. But I think with me following me as a coach and seeing the growth, I think he's under he understands it and he's really, really on the student athlete side when you really break it down. Yeah. So um obviously he's been there and I know you talked to 
Uncle Cornelius last week. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they went through some things, but. Uh, I actually, uh, yeah, I actually wanted to, to touch on that. You're actually, Cornelius is your godfather. Yeah. Right. Cornelius Green is my godfather. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And so we always, when, when we talk about Archie and those times, everyone always mentions the Heisman and the glory, but Cornelius gave us a color, some color on like the stuff that they were experiencing mm-hmm. at that time and just mm-hmm. how segregated the university still was and. Does he talk to you about that stuff too? My dad never really went into that, but you know I've read many of books with with Hank Aaron and, and obviously you know, Cornelius being the first African American um, quarterback, so I know he went through some things. Right. Um, just coming up because they, I think they would they say he had like five or, or three people in his class that was on there. Yeah, and, there uh, only three. Yeah. And he was the first class to have a freshman that freshman could play in 1972 oh, wow. was the first mm. class that they could play. So you know he went through some things. Um, especially at Ohio State where, you know, it was more north, but, you know, Columbus was a little bit different back then. Right. So I want to um, get your, you know, move transition a little bit out of that and uh, I have a couple more questions for you basically about your your career and your future. Where do you see yourself? What is your goal? Do you want to be – is your goal to be a head coach, you know, in the NFL one day or, or do you want to stay local? What's your what's your plan? How do you see this well, thing Well, as you know, uh, um, this business is, is crazy. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I just got let go a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it, it's some little p- political stuff going into that, mm-hmm. and, and some things like that. But I always want to work with kids. Yeah, you know, um, obviously, I did an intern with the Bengals, um, and I was straight up big business. So I'm not saying that I wouldn't take no NFL job yeah. or anything like that. But right. if I'm gonna be a head coach, I'd rather be a high school head coach. Yeah, and, and be a college assistant. Right. Um, you can still impact lives on the college levels like no other. You yeah. know, when I was in college level, you know, I recruited the kids. Obviously, they were the high school kids. And then when they got to uh, college, obviously, they was with me. So um, for that. But, you know, I'm starting, a, um, you know, a couple programs called A. Griffin Legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, Archie, Anthony, Andre, Adam, you know, A. Griffin Legacy. So yeah. I'm doing some football camps right. um, this off season, And I'm going to keep growing that and, and get those guys to camps, you know, take those kids to uh, camps all over, yeah, you know, awesome. the United States of America. And, and how do you uh, feel? Sure. Actually, how do you feel like your experience as a player impacted you when you were actually recruiting? Because that's a totally two different sides of the coin. Um, for recruiting, you know, I would just, you know, you just keep it real with them. Yeah, you know, just keep it real with them. You know, tell them to humble. You know, I always talk to them. I don't really talk to them too much about the details of uh, of the game right as much you know I, I rather when they got back to the to the school to do that yeah. but just relate to them you know you know obviously you know it's sales you know my my coach that I was around coach Collins he's at the army now but uh um he he was a Campbell soup salesman before he went to coach okay. so I learned a lot from him <laughs> right. and then, and then right. when you was in division 3 I, I coached at Capitol for 3 years division 3 is a whole new level of yeah. recruitment you know you you're on the phone grinding you right. know so when I got to, to Division Two, Saginaw Valley State, um, it came easy to me. I actually had um, something like 33% of the team were under me. Wow. Know? And then I became a recruiting coordinator, and then I related to more people. So I have one more question about that. So, like, Division Three and Division Two, I imagine that some of the hardest part about recruiting in those divisions is actually convincing kid, those kids that that's where the- – <laughs> that's their cap, right? That's right. where they're that's their ceiling at the time, right? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, division. Well, the, the biggest thing for me is I I played on Division One. Yeah. Um. So I knew how those guys were, and I coached on Division Two and Division Three. Right. I went from Division Three to Division Two. Um. Division Three was non scholarship, mm-hmm. so you can't offer them anything. Right. Wow. You can't wow. offer them anything. Yeah. Um. So that was definitely just. 
just just getting in them, talking to them, and like I said, learned from from the head coach that was a Division three guy forever. Right. Um, and then convincing them that you have to be able to win. If you, like at Capital, we had the best three years. You know, we lost to Mount Union twice, and they ended up winning the national championship. And uh, Wisconsin Whitewater, and those was our closest game. Right. So right. when people was transferring in or whatever, they knew we was winning. And right. I don't know if you guys know the Patellos, that uh, Rocky Patello. Yeah. You know, he was a transfer to uh, to Capital. Okay. He was slinging that thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He could sling that thing. So yeah. we had some cold. Did he go to the sales too? No. Okay. Uh, he went to Westville South. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He went to I knew Westville he was that, South. That's a part of town. Yep. So they lived in Westville. A lot of those guys lived in Westville, but they went to the sales. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, in Division Two, you get the best of both worlds. So you get some guys that may not be a little bit academically strong to make the Division One, um, but the best guys are Division. You know, they go to Division Two. Right. You know, I can um, Jeff Janis. I don't know if you guys. Yeah, he plays oh, yeah. for the Packers. He used to play for the Packers. Okay. Yeah. So I had Jeff Janis. Jeff Heath, who plays for the Cowboys. Okay. So those guys were in the same class. Then we had a, a huge line. People don't realize that we had a 6'8", 320 lineman. We called them Baby Pace <laughs> on, on that level. Right. And uh, so you got to get those guys. You got to find those guys. And a lot of those guys was under-recruited. Yeah. You know, grow, when Saginaw was in Detroit, Detroit yeah. area, I should say, a little bit north of Detroit. So a lot of those guys, Detroit's a big basketball town. Right. So you got to get in there and get, get with those guys and, and convince them that they're football players. Yeah. And then that was their chance. Wow. So I, I have one more question. Actually, I want to switch back to the Heisman real quick. Just get your thoughts on it. Then we have a couple fun things, and we'll get you out of here. Um, what, what are your thoughts on the Heisman race this year? Obviously, two Ohio State guys. You have Jalen Hurts um, from Oklahoma, and then obviously Joe Burrow from LSU. What are your thoughts on the race and, you know, obviously how this thing should shake out? Did anybody get snubbed? That's another question, too. I don't know if anybody got snubbed because of the the media. Only thing I would say, obviously, I want Dobbins to be there. Yeah. Just to experience it. Um, I'm sure. I don't know if the finals came out as, as far as the fifth through ninth. No, I, I think they did, but I don't – I think he was kind of – I think those guys were far behind, though. Far behind. Yeah. But um, I think Joe, Joe B., you know, he's 78%. Yeah. You know, thrown. I think he's going to win it. Yeah. You know, and I think Fields, you know, people don't understand this. I know you guys talked about this, but – the kid hasn't played in the third quarter. Right. Yeah. You know, or he played in the third, but they pulled him out. Right. After after a series or two. Yeah. You know, so throwing, I think I can't don't quote me on the stats, but it was forty and one. Yeah, forty touchdowns one. <laughs> yeah. Forty yeah. and one. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, so he definitely. And what do you think about Chase Young making as a defensive player? That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it was a picture and I saw it at the game because my wife gets mad at me because I'm always watching it in the coaches. Eye. So right. I'm watching Chase Young, and the dude got triple teamed. Yeah, he got literally triple teamed. And that yeah. picture that came out, I saw that play. Right, I was like, man, this dude just got triple teamed. Yeah, you know. <laughs> right. So right. if anybody getting triple teamed, yeah, in a pass rush and they passing, where the other guys at? Right, you know. So right. and that opens up for the other DNs. And those so you guys, think that award, the Heisman Trophy, should be open? We should everybody. be seeing more defensive players. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's it's way too QB slanted. It's, QBs it's, have a huge advantage in college football statistically, right? Oh yeah, because so, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, uh, J.K. Dobbins, Chuba Hubbard. I mean, these guys are all dominated college football as running backs, and they yeah. didn't they didn't even make the finals. But let's let's switch to something real quick. Uh, pretty fun that we do. Anybody who comes on this show has to answer these two questions, and we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, the first question we'll ask is your top five musicians of all time. So. Artists that influenced you or artists that you listened to, uh, just yeah, tell us your about personal that. list. Yeah, uh, Tupac number one. Okay, Jay Z. Okay, um, I'm gonna go Andre 3000 oh. and Big Boy. Oh wow, 
Okay. So that's four. I love that big boy got the respect. Yeah, he normally he normally yeah. doesn't get People the respect. People always push him to the side. Yeah. Anybody know me? I'm Outcast, man. Yeah. I'm outcast all over the place. But yeah. Ninety four. What's your favorite song for Outcast? You have a favorite? No, they all good. Yeah. Man. They all good. <laughs> <laughs> they all good. <laughs> right. They need a new album, right? They need a new album, but I understand. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know they them two guys were so much different in a ways, but they came together. You know, yeah. they were more funk than yeah. anything. Yeah. And, that's true. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember when I used to go to down to uh, Woody's and, and see Mecca on them drums. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah you know, I used man. to be on them drums. People didn't remember. Yeah, I used to be a drummer. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I would say J. Cole right now. Okay. And the so reason J. why Cole, I say J. Cole is because at that time, this was probably 08, 07, mm-hmm. I want to say, um, it wasn't enough storytelling mm. in the game. So, you know, for the storytelling, you know, we uh, we I got on him and then so I've been following him for a while. So were you a Nas, a were you a Nas fan too? Oh yeah, okay. Definitely a Nas fan. Okay, you know it's hard. You know I'm 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 different in a way. Yeah, the ones that connect to me. You know Nas is is very 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 very, you know up there. Yeah, you know he says some things that that's crazy. Right. So you right. know, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely Nas. There's so many you can't. You yeah, know, it's, you know it's how hard it is. To do it's top five. five. People, yeah, and I'm a I'm a soft. So you know Master P. You know when we was in high school, Master P just on how he. Change the game and, and put out records every week. The ice cream and man keeps making the list. And let me ask you too, since you were in Cleveland, right? So talk, to, tell me a little bit about Bone. What was the impact of Bone? Uh, Bone was unreal when you're there. Yeah, Bone was that was my freshman year, probably oh. my freshman year, and that was all through our locker room. Coaches just go crazy. So Turn the city was down. crazy. The city was oh, crazy yeah, for yeah. Bone. Yeah, and, and, and you seen them. So right. you know, you could drive. Yeah, they down. were in the they were in the city yeah. all the time. They were right. in the city. You yeah. drive down the street. There, my mom used to work in the hotel. Right, and they're just in like Lazy Bone or Crazy would be just chilling in there. You know, so for a young guy, 14, 15 years old, you'd like to see that. If, you go downtown, you have hotel parties and stuff like that, and yeah, yeah two rooms down. <laughs> That's you a, know, yeah. One of my biggest achievements as an artist was doing a song with Busy called "For oh, the yeah. Love." If anybody's listening, oh, go yeah. check it out on YouTube. Anyway, uh, we'll jump to our last question. and We'll get you out of here, Greg. Your top five athletes that have influenced you. Top five athletes, not including my dad. No, put your dad. <laughs> no, in if your dad's in there, yeah, yeah. put him in there. This is your personal list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, my dad. Yeah. You know, but you know, obviously, I didn't see him play. I just saw the highlights, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Barry Sanders, um, Emmitt Smith. Um, All running now, back so far. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm a basketball guy, too, so it's a little different. Okay. Um, I used to look at basketball players that reminded me of myself when I played ball. So, B.J. Armstrong. Okay. okay. Oh, you got, you got a jumper? I got little jumper. Okay. I tell people like this. All right. I ain't gonna shoot. I ain't gonna shoot ten times. I'm gonna shoot three. But I'm gonna I'm make shoot. those three. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go two for three or one for three. Right. And my percentage is gonna be forty. So you gotta respect. Me. And that's a real story. I tell I tell those kids all the time. Right. So BJ Armstrong. Babyface BJ. Yeah. Babyface BJ. He's a uh, he's agent a big now. agent. He's agent. a big time he, yes, agent. He's yeah. now. Um, Terrell Brandon. Okay. And Kenny uh, Kenny uh, Lofton. Oh, Kenny Cleveland Lofton. guys. Did you I play like, baseball too? I played baseball. I played football, basketball, and baseball. Okay. All through. So, wow. and then I tried to run track. I was yeah. quick. I was more quick. You were quick. Oh my God. Quick. You were so quick, bro. <laughs> I was quick, Griff but was I wasn't as fast. Yeah. yeah. Kenny Lofton was another guy that was always out yep. in the city. Oh, yeah. Kenny's showing always, love to people. He, still, he loves Cleveland. You know, yeah. he's always back. You know, anytime, you know, obviously the cast more recent and, and the Indians still doing their thing. But he's always in the town. All right, so last question because you made me think of it when you mentioned your dad as as your your top athlete of all time. What when you do watch his old film, mm-hmm. what was it that stood out to you that made him so great? It's funny because obviously that made him great was his 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 dog, his pit bull. He's, you know, mm-hmm. we're we're short. Yeah. So five seven at the time he probably was one eighty. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I was a little bigger because of the weights. You know, another last story is uh, Woody Hayes. You know, this is crazy. In the 70s, took him off of weights because he was getting too big. Wow. You'll never see that nowadays. No, ever. Yeah. ever. ever. That's crazy. So, you know, his quickness. And, and, and I laughed because, you know, when you look at my old film, even though he was faster than me, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of make the same. I had the spin move. I had quick. That spin was crazy. I remember <laughs> it, bro. I'll tell you. Yeah. I had, a, I had a spin move, and then, you know, we got them duck feet. So, you yeah. know, we're always in and out, you know, in and out and things like that. So I just obviously seen the self in me, you know, the stuff that he done, I, I, I do. And my high school coach actually say, if you if you blink your eyes and you just look at, at my film, you can see my dad in it in a lot of ways. So That's 100% true. And, I, you know, this is just me attesting to that. I remember in practice. He's you know, a safety. Gr- <laughs> yeah. Griff, Griff and I used to... You know, we used to run scout team a lot of times together, mm-hmm. and we <laughs> Griff would be shaking the shit out of people in practice. There's always, yo, and people they hated it. You know, the, the starters hate it because starters they you know they they don't want any real challenge for real in practice. Yeah. But Griff would be shaking the shit out of cats, and we would be laughing. This shit was funny. And that's the yeah. thing. That's the thing at a, at a place like Ohio State. You go down the depth chart at running back, oh, yeah. and you see the guys that aren't on the field, and you're like, you see their high school tape, you see them in practice, you're like. Why the hell isn't he on the field? But that's just that's how Ohio it goes State. at a program yeah, at Ohio. Yeah. Like Ohio yeah, the guys State. that was in front of me was uh, Derek Holmes, Jonathan Wells, Jerry Westbrook. Mm-hmm. That's two Mike, NFL Mike guys. Wiley. Mike, Mike Wiley, three yeah. NFL Mike guys. Wiley, when we first got there, it was Joe Montgomery. Was he? Joe Mont was there. The, when your we first got there. Four yeah. NFL yeah. guys. Yeah, and Joe Montgomery <laughs> only played like one year, and then he got, ended up getting drafted in the second round. Yeah, yeah. And he played for the Giants. I want to say the Giants. Yeah, three, yeah. four years played in the yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. Yep. Man, Griff, we could talk all day, obviously. Uh, thanks for joining us on the Pilot Boys podcast. Um, good luck to you, obviously, in your career. We'll definitely be watching you. I'm sure this won't be the last time we'll have you on the show. And uh, everybody who's listening, holler at us at Pilot Boys Pod. Let us know what you think about his list of his top five athletes and his top five musicians. We'll be right back. A couple quick news and notes from the Pilot Boys podcast. The New York Yankees signed pitcher Garrett Cole to a record deal. Nine years, $324 million V. Where's baseball getting all this money from? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> average, he's making an average of $36 million a year. And that's right on the heels of Steven Strasburg's seven-year, $245 million you know, deal with the Washington You know Nationals. who's really happy about this, right? Who? Scott Boris. <laughs> oh, Scott Boris, the agent. <laughs> He's probably a money. billionaire off of 3% of these contracts, it's man. It's funny. There's, there's money in baseball. Maybe my son will be playing. Stephen A. Smith released his top five most annoying people in all of sports. And guess who he put at the top, V? Himself? Himself. He yeah. really did. He really did. So he knows. We all agree. So it, makes mo- it pays to be annoying, though. It, it, it does pay to be annoying. And uh, finally... BET is casting for a new miniseries based on Uptown Records, and it's looking for talent. If you can act, rap, or sing, hit up their website, BET.com forward slash Uptown Casting. That's a really, really great story that I think is overlooked a lot of times. Um, So much talent came out of there. So much talent came out of there. So it's great. You know, BET has actually done a great job of recreating some of these stories. Obviously, the new edition one is like the best one. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Um, so now they're going to do one with Uptown Records, so that's pretty cool. All right, we'll be right back. Love the Pilot Boys podcast? Support us on Patreon. Supporters can pledge as little as $1, and we have some cool perks on there. Check out www.patreon.com forward slash Pilot Boys podcast. Show us some love today. Welcome back to the Pilot Boys podcast. Our next guest is a huge media personality, producer, and podcast host of The Red Pill. 
He was an on-air personality for TMZ for many years and now has become an on-air personality for Will Packer's show Central Ave. Welcome to the show, Van Lathan. What's Welcome up? back, man. Uh, yeah, what's good, We still bro? got more shit to talk. Everything's good, my man. Good, good, good. Yo, so uh, I kind of want to jump into, um, obviously, we'll, we'll get into our LSU and Ohio State talk. We had a kind of a, a big, like, almost like national spat on Twitter the other day where, like, a whole bunch of Ohio State fans got involved and LSU fans got involved and John Legend was involved. It was kind of crazy. And, uh, you know, obviously, it's a passionate time. So we'll talk about that. So before we get to LSU Ohio State stuff, Van, I wanted to talk about greatest hip hop voices of all time. That was a conversation that Genius had started on Twitter the other day that was trending, and a lot of people were um, jumping in on it. You had jumped in on it and mentioned Big. We actually brought our producer Joe, who's a little younger than us, to jump in on this conversation as well. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. You said it was Big. Why did you think it was Big? How do you even evaluate a great voice in hip hop? Um, well, a couple of things. With, with Big, the reason why Big is the most effortless, greatest rapper of all time is obviously he was incredibly lyrically proficient and the lyrics had all the content that you would need um, to write timeless, amazing, legendary songs. But the one thing that Big had that nobody has is that voice, the texture of Big's, Big's voice that had a natural boom cap to it. You know what I mean? So you win when you pair it uh, with either something that was melodic or when you, when you brought the drums up, he still existed in the same pocket. Right. Uh, and that you can't teach it, right? You, like, it, it, you can't teach the way he sounded. And that sound allowed Big just that voice quality allowed Big to be, you know, with, you know, with only two albums released uh, as versatile um, yeah. and see as we had. He never sounded wrong on anything. He could shine on, like on a lot of songs, like even, you know, Notorious Thugs with Bone Thugs yeah. and Harmony. You know, he could he could switch it up and sound sound good on a lot of songs. Yeah, yeah. He, like he switched up, he switched up the style there, and it sound he didn't sound once. He never sounded off on the record. It never sounded like big. If you hear big next to Eminem on Dead Wrong, it sounds like it belongs. Okay, he never sounded off on a record ever. So he definitely he definitely had that effortless quality about him. But you know, you, from our era, where there are many rappers like Shine who had um, a similar voice, right? As as Biggie, like in terms of the voice itself, but I think all those other qualities that you mentioned are what made Big stand out, even over guys that had similar voices to his. V, what was, who was your who was your favorite voice of all time? I mean, it's it's close for me. It's it's either DMX or Jeezy. Yeah, Jeezy's Jeezy's got crazy. My mine was always Tupac. Um, I also loved DMX and and Busta, and it's funny because. You know, that's those are the people that people used to say I sounded like. And Joe, you being kind of younger than us, you know, maybe you value those voices as well. You know, the older generation of voices, or maybe they're young. Like the baby has a really good voice. Um, are there any voices that you that you particularly like? Yeah, and, uh, I'm not gonna be as in depth as Van with uh, Biggs, but and this one might sound surface level, but um, I really just think about Lil Wayne, and mm. I know that the auto tune. Is must be considered, but yeah. I don't know. I think of him. I think of 
this one's a little bit towards you guys, but Andre three thousand. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, the one I wrote down was Wiz Khalifa. Mm. I, I think he has a very distinguishable very and like recognizable voice. And I guess like his is like you kind of you kind of put you you kind of think of the chill guy, the yeah easy going puts you in the, the chill mode. Yeah, yeah. And, and I really think that's like something that I value with like Wiz Khalifa's voice. Right, Van. One thing too. And, you know, in terms of, like, you know, important things you look for when you decide what artists you want to listen to. Obviously, voice is one of the things, and that's why we're having this conversation. But there's also lyrics. There's also flow. There's style. Um, I guess nowadays there's even kind of persona and, and social, you know, kind of social media personality. And, 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 and when you look at those things, how do you determine where on the list of those things is voice when you decide what you want to listen to? To be honest with you, from a sonic standpoint, voice is really all you need. Mm, I mean, yeah. I, like it, it, now, voice is not all you need to be a great MC. To be a great MC, there's a a, a large bag. You know that there's a large bag of things you have to be able to dive in um, into and be able to present to people. But as far as being listenable, like voice is all you need. I. I the, the person with the best voice of this generation, of this current group, going back a couple of years, is Thug. Thug's mm. voice is... Yeah, he has a... He has a sure. That's, that's, you're, that's his you're calling card. So like he, right. So, like, Thug, Thug does this... I'm, I don't ever really know what he's saying. <laughs> not, I don't understand <laughs> any of his lyrics, man. But it yeah. just sounds great. And I can listen to his whole album. Yeah. It's, it's, I only know if you ask me to just the third verse, you're only going to hear sound. You know what I mean? So, right. like, but, but, his, but, but that is listenable because, you know, melody is a universal, um, language. So, um, when you start talking about, I mean, there are certain, there are other MCs that we know are ill or play wise, even the things that they say are genius, but it's harder to listen to them. Yeah. So they don't get as much burn with you. Right. So it, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a weird, like for a long time, you know, a home has played with his sound, the sound of his voice over time to where he got into a, a, a pocket, uh, really where there was an apex of his career where it was, uh, it was perfect because I remember guys that like just sonically, they didn't like the sound of Jay-Z mm-hmm. and he kind of had to find it. But, um, Nah, man, it's it's a it's, you talking about great MCs. There's a lot of things you pull from, but you know, if you got a great voice, if you got a great voice and some dope music, I mean, you can last for a while. Well, if you think about it, a lot of the artists that we consider to be the greatest of all time, I mean, one of the things that they do have in common is the voice. Like Tupac has a very distinguishable voice. Obviously, Big does, Jay does, Nas does. I mean, DMX, yeah, like. That is who he is. Just because I love mine. You know, the EMX is so mm-hmm. raw with it. It's like, you're not going to hear that ever again. You know, and I think that was, that is part of the thing with DMX is he was so captivating. Um, you, you didn't even have to necessarily know what he was saying as well. You just knew that it was because of his voice and the grittiness of his voice. It was just so raw. And on the flip side, there are some talented rappers that, that like, for example, I'm Big Sean. I can't stand his voice. <laughs> I know he's talented, but I can't stand listening to him. And that's also part of the reason why sometimes I can't listen to Eminem. Like, I respect his talent, but sometimes his voice just annoys the shit out of me. I'm just like, I can't listen to this right now. And my hot take is, <clears throat> I'm just going to throw it out there. I, I can't listen to Cardi B. Her voice, and I love it, the that's movement, I love everything. Example. 
I cannot. I can't listen to one bit of her. Perfect example. Perfect Who's like, yours? Who's like, yours, Van? Perfect who, example. Who Who are perfect, you? Who can't you stand example. to listen like, to? I, like, you know that the song is jamming. I just and I love her to death. Love everything. I just don't like the way she sounds. Yeah. I don't like the way she sounds. Perfect example. I have that issue with Nikki. Yeah, I actually like Nikki's voice, Nikki Minaj's voice, when she's not doing that like extra stuff. I think 50 it's different actually super dope. Um, but then sometimes when she goes into that thing, I, you know, I don't really like it. Um, before we get off this segment, I just want to give a, a shout out to a couple other voices that I think probably have gotten some respect in hip hop history. Method Man, uh, Rick Ross, obviously, oh, sure. Scarface, Rick, yeah, E Forty. Like these are these are people that are like I think. I think voice in hip hop is actually underrated as a thing, and if you actually Scarface, Bundy, yeah, oh like yeah, all of those guys. Busy, like if yeah. you if you think about the what it is that we actually remember about a lot of these guys, it really is their voice. So this conversation might seem super superficial, but I do think there's an actual deeper aspect to it. So uh, I don't want to. Um, we can spend time on this all day long. Hit us up at, at Pilot Boys Pod. Let us know who you who's your greatest hip hop voice of all time. But Van, I wanted to switch subjects. Um, obviously we talked about this on a couple shows back and then on Twitter the other day, we had a hot debate that, like I said, a ton of people got involved in everyone from Ohio state fans to LSU fans. And one of the, the, the main topic was essentially Joe Burrow, right? Obviously there's an LSU versus Ohio state conversation now, one versus two, which we'll talk about. But the main topic was Joe Burrow, who gets to claim the success of Joe Burrow. And is it Ohio State solely? Is it LSU solely? Is it partial, partial? My argument is that it's partial, partial. Your argument is fuck you. It's all LSU. So I wanted to get your perspective on it, and then let's jump into that conversation a little bit. I'm prepared for this now. I mean, my, my argument isn't, isn't specifically to Joe Burrow and anything. My argument, my argument is the conceptually, just the way I look at it. Like, for example, I look back at other guys that transfer, right? Guys like Jeremiah Masoli, guys, because it doesn't always work. We have a, we have a, uh, um, we have a situation right now where in the playoff there are three guys and it works. You know what I'm saying? It 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 it, it it's benefited the, these three guys, new offensive voices, uh, being in a different situation where their skill sets are more appreciated. Um, or just getting a second chance in, in Burrow's case, it's, it's worked out for those guys. But my argument is that, I mean, we can go all the way back to middle school and start giving people credit for developing these guys but and start giving people credit for their success. But if you look at what Hurts is doing at Alabama, he looks like a totally different quarterback. If you look at what Justin Fields is doing um, at Georgia, like he, uh, excuse me, at Ohio State, yes, looks like a totally State. different quarterback. And if you look at um, what Burrow is doing um, at LSU, he looks like a totally different quarterback. The only the only difference between the three of those guys is in the case of Hurts and Fields, you're comparing those guys really to what they were able to do um, at prior situations. With Burrow, we actually have a year of him being straight from Columbus in Baton Rouge without the offensive minds that we have now to draw upon to talk about how good he was last season. We actually have more data. Okay. Like we, ha- we, we have more data. That, in the, in that, the case of Hurts, 
Like we 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 have the data, so I don't really get what the argument is. So, so here's the here, here's the argument. It's 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 to me. I think you're you're oversimplifying a little bit, and I think that yes, obviously. You know what actually happens on the field at the end of the day is the thing that has to take, uh, obviously the primary uh, becomes of primary importance, right? And that's where you have to draw from from the from the most part. But I think that first of all, I think all three of those situations that you mentioned, I think are all different situations, and I can distinguish all three of those situations from each other in real ways, not just because they're different kids who went to different schools. First, when it comes to Burrow, Burrow was at Ohio State. He was about essentially about to be the starter at Ohio State. Two different times, really. He was One, Mr. Mr. Football in Ohio. He, but before, before even that, but, but not even that. That's also part of it, right? He's an Ohio kid. He grew up in Ohio. That's great. But still. He was a, a three-star, by the way. Four-star. He was a four-star. 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 I noticed that on it Twitter, was, man. You not, get to- it was not easy for him. It was not easy for him to get to Ohio State. He was a four-star. He was a four-star. Mr. Football. Hold on. Telling the story. They've been, they, they, they've been telling, maybe I'm wrong about the stars. They've been telling the story about how Joe Burrow had to lobby his way into Ohio State for two years. No. So it's not like, it's, it's like Joe okay. Burrow didn't have to lobby no, his way No, he didn't. He was a four star prospect. I mean, Mr. Listen, Football in Ohio. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> We're getting off subject. Van, hold on. I'll let you talk. Let me, let me talk. Joe Burrow, at the crucial point in time, when it was really time to play football, right, for Ohio State, again, one of the top programs in the country at recruiting quarterbacks at this particular time was literally a, like neck and neck with the starter to start at Ohio State. Had an incredible spring practice. This isn't conjecture. This isn't like, oh, this is a guy that we haven't seen. He had an incredible spring practice. He literally was neck and neck with the guy who was about to be a first-round record-setting quarterback. And because he didn't win that battle, he then went to LSU, which was like after spring ball, which never happens. Really. And he had like a couple months to learn that bad offense, whatever offense you guys were running. Of course, he was going to struggle that year. If Joe Burrow had stayed at Ohio State, again, you want to tell me, well, it didn't happen, so you can't talk about it. That's not really how if, sports if, works. If, if, if. Everything. But the thing is, that's what this whole conversation is based on. He actually had it's a great spring. If, but your argument is based on if. He no, had a not. great it's he not. had a great spring. He was going to be the starter at one of the top universities under one of the top football minds and would have dom- there's no reason to believe there's nothing that proves that he would not have dominated that year at Ohio State similar fashion that Dwayne it's, Haskins did. Instead, he went to LSU, learned a new offense and their bad offense after 3 months and had a shaky year and then all of a sudden became a now you're saying he became a superstar under Joe Brady. It's like, yeah, he had that already. He just didn't have the system and the continuity. So to act as if Ohio State hadn't developed him to have his skill set to where it is now and had no part in that, that's just that's just crazy to me. I, I noticed something you no, did. No, you, the, the, the reality is that the, the, if you're asking me, because here's the deal, when you say when you say develop a quarterback, I'm not talking about develop the ability to throw the ball. Like the system that you're in is crucial to your development. The system that you're learning is crucial to the development that you have. You don't think that Hurt looks like a more developed quarterback than he ever did at Alabama? If anyone answers that question and and doesn't say that he does, they never watch him. They don't watch college football. Because he came out as the SEC freshman of the year and was actually regressing, actually going backwards as a passer. 
Like, he came out, and, that, and, and by the way, that would typically happen with LSU quarterbacks, too, because you guys are talking about all of the quarterbacks that you guys had, right? And you guys are talking about all the quarterbacks that you have. So, like, a lot of times, a guy will get to your school, and he'll go backwards, and he'll never become what you thought that he was going to be. So, what hurts... Our school has an Ohio ball. State? Because all the last five quarterbacks of Ohio no, no, State no, are record-setting quarterbacks. Oh, okay. Well, uh, well, no, no, I'm not talking about those record-setting quarterbacks. I mean, those guys are system guys. I think you know, and, and everybody, everybody in college is essentially a system guy. Everybody, like, everywhere is a so, system guy. Even guys in the pros are system guys. Well, Tom Brady wouldn't be what he would be without. Here, without here, guys, here's guys, what here's what it here's what it comes down to. I you think, guys, you guys, you guys Van, Van, Van. I've let you guys, I've let you guys kind of go back and forth on this. This is kind of the honest truth about this situation. I think I followed your conversation on Twitter. I think you're discounting a lot of the impact in both the Jalen Hurts situation and the um, Joe Burrow situation, right? Joe Burrow was at Ohio State for four years with a winning program being developed by a consistent winner. Yeah, you can say that Lincoln Riley had an impact in improving Jalen Hurts, but there's no way to say that the experiences he had at Alabama as one of the best programs and being the starting quarterback there hasn't helped him be a great quarterback at Oklahoma, too. And that's all we're saying with Joe Burrow. You don't have the same resume. Joe Burrow never really got on the field. But as an Ohio State fan, we knew about we knew about Joe Burrow when he was a high school quarterback. That's how talented he is. No, that's a bad argument because in the hurts of in, in the in the in the case of Hurts, you are you are you absolutely would have to give it to him because he actually took meaningful snaps and played in big games. So there are things in game that Hurts would actually be able to draw on from his experience at Alabama that would make him... Joe Burrow never took a meaningful snap at Ohio State. He never did. But, but if, you, if you listen, if you watch how college Ohio programs... State. there's he, only he was, in a, he, was, he was never in a high-leverage position at Ohio State. There's, he was never in, like... So all of that stuff that you're talking about right now, that all came last year at LSU. All of it. All it, like, it every single scintilla of it. Every single point where he had to go on the road, um, or excuse me, or play Alabama at home, we had to make plays against Georgia. All of that stuff happened in Baton Rouge. Like 100% of it. Like, but that's not the only thing that goes into developing. Developing a quarterback. Like yeah, That's why these kids come to programs like Ohio State. <laughs> To be developed, most most quarterbacks get a year. They get a year. They get a year or two to start. Right? Let's 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 be real. How many quarterbacks start four years? How many quarterbacks do? Right. How many quarterbacks? What now? How many quarterbacks actually start for four years? They come into a program. Yeah, most guys get a year or two, and they, based on the development they had the years prior to that in the program, determines how good. The next starter is Joe Burrow was in a position to be a star at Ohio State. Exactly, he was in position to be. He but had been developed. He had the skill set. He lost been. out to Dwayne Haskins, who was a top ten if, draft pick. I'm not talking about any of those situations. To be honest with you, you know what else can you know what else can hinder your development at a school? You know what else can hinder your development as a football player? Injury. Injury can hinder your development. Injury can hinder the amount of snaps that you get. Injury can injury can hinder the trajectory of where you are right there. 
Joe Burrow, you know, you know what, you know the other thing too, Van. Joe Burrow was actually starter ready. Joe Burrow, he was starter ready by the time he got to LSU. He was starter ready. The reason why he had struggled a little bit that year is because he was in a new system and he only had three months. But if he had stayed at Ohio State, he was starter ready for a big time program in that system under Ryan Day. Again, we don't know exactly how the season would have played out. This is what I know. I've also seen, I've seen quarterbacks come from other conferences come to the SEC and struggle. I've seen quarterbacks, and this is not about the SEC or, or the Big Ten. This is about being at a different school, being like, like, and and like. I've watched it happen to guys like Masoli. I watched it happen. I've seen it happen other places. To be honest with you, it happened to Kelly Bryant this year. Same thing last year happened to Kelly Bryant at Missouri. So if, but if, Joe was already Clemson. in a system. See, the thing is, he was already in a It's one thing. if he, That's why the field situation is different. Fields was there as a freshman, and he wasn't in. they didn't develop any system around him. There was nothing that showed that he was going to be able to have success at Georgia. That's a different scenario well, I mean, listen, the, than what Burrow was the, in. The, the, the way I look at that is this. Trevor Lawrence came to Clemson and as a true freshman, and Trevor Lawrence, if you guys watch Justin Fields, at, uh, at at Georgia, if you watch the games when he was playing, I did watch him. He needed someone. He needed he needed someone to better utilize his skill set. It wasn't the right offense. Exactly. That's why Georgia can never take credit for any any development of Justin Fields. That was not true for Joe Burrow. That's exact. Thank you. That's the exact point I'm making. No, 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 not true. Because he was still there in practice. He still learned something there. Your thing is he was learning from Jake Fromm. That, that that they get to they get to take credit for developing you as a QB. They can take a they can take right a couple now. percentage points if they want. I'm not. They recruited they get, him. They yeah. brought him into the program. Yeah. He was there I'm for a year. Like zero percent. He, le- he learned something. But like with the Jalen Hurts situation, one is that you saw the experience he had at Alabama. Oklahoma got a winning quarterback. Regardless if you say Lincoln Riley developed him in certain areas, he was already an excellent college quarterback going into Oklahoma. No, he was 25 and 1 by the time Tua had even taken over right, in that right, half of that right. game. But, but like you guys are you guys are really arguing this like people that never watched the game. He, but he wasn't an excellent quarterback. And at college level, level, he was. From a college level, he was. Yeah. The, the, level, he he was. was, was it's by effectiveness. Time it, by the time it was over, by the time it was over, he was a serviceable quarterback that was holding the offense back. He came That's into the back. SEC championship the off the bench was, and won them by that time game. It was over, by the time it was over, they didn't feel like they could score enough points to go and win games with him, and he lost his situation to a freshman who could sing the ball. That's that's like not the story. Pro, and, and like a like a true pro, and like the classy kid that he is, he stayed there, supported his. Yes, team, that's all, that's all true. But to, he lost that. his job to a guy who's going to be like number one pick in the draft. You know, but real quick, real quick, but, I want to get to but, hold on, Ben, hold on, real but quick. He didn't lose his job, but but he didn't lose. But he didn't lose his job because Tua was playing because of Tua was playing so well. Tua had there we got he lost his job because the offense wasn't. Looking they were twenty five right. and one with him. He before came that in. Half. Do you remember what happened? Well, like under, he played the whole season. Tua like, came in in the second half of the national championship game. Like Jalen was the quarterback the whole year. By the way, by the way, Clemson, Clemson had a fantastic record with Kelly Bryant. But they weren't getting the type of play out of position that they felt like they needed. 
Jimmy Bryant couldn't push the ball down the field the way they wanted to. I disagree with that, by the way. I actually watched him play. I don't, I don't think that's true. I don't think that. I don't think that's true. By the way, I watched Kelly Bryant play. He's do you good. think that's true? I think he could do everything in that offense. That, that was the politics of getting Trevor Lawrence more than that's anything else. Not obviously, right? Because yeah. coaches do things well, for different I mean, reasons. I watched, I watched Kelly Bryant play. They looked much better with Trevor Lawrence. Okay, let me get Joe. Joe, uh, sorry, I know you've been sitting here too. Uh, what's your What's your opinion? Kind of. I know you grew up in Ohio. Obviously, you're an Ohio State fan, but you're a big sports fan. I think, you know, what is your perspective on this conversation? <clears throat> I think it's pretty simple, actually. I think we just have to ask Joe, right? Because mm-hmm. he's the one who uh, developed. He experienced both places. Right. As an Ohio guy, of course, Ohio State developed Joe Burrow as a quarterback, in my, in my opinion. But I, w- I want to I hear what Joe says. I think that's a good point. I yeah. mean, somebody mentioned that on Twitter the other day, too, to ask yeah. him. You know, Joe, obviously, Joe, not, Joe and, Burrow. And not in public, years, in private. He's an Ohio Burrow State fan, years, just so you know. He's never going to say, I didn't, I didn't learn anything. No, that's, that's why no one publicly asking him that is a waste of time. Publicly asking him that is a complete waste of time. I agree with you there. I'm saying, like, oh, in a private he's moment. He's never going to say that in a million years. And what? Yeah. what? Like, it, 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 the, the community... Uh, of Ohio State fans has been absolutely spectacular to Joe Burrow. He's very connected to everybody there. And his heart of heart, he probably wishes that he had on Scarlet and Gray right now doing all of his stuff. I'm yeah. sure it's got to be in a way bittersweet for him. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I get the situation that he would be in. He's an outstanding young man, right. without a doubt. I respect that admission. I, I watched I watched every single snap he ever took at LSU last year. And I saw a guy who has gotten significantly, I mean, the numbers bear him out, to go from 16 touchdown passes to 48. But Van, you, you, you can't, you tell you can't us mention that in the vacuum. You can't, me- you can't mention that in a vacuum. You also have to talk about the fact that he was only there for three months under a bad offense and a different coordinator under the first year. You can't just say, oh, one year he had 16, the next year he had 50. It's like, well, what were the circumstances that points under which that to happened? De- that points to development I mean, again, to right? You, I mean, to, to be real with you, I mean, that type of thing happens in college football. Once again, it just happened to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was never going to New York. Jalen Hurts was never going to New York and Alabama. He wasn't even in the conversation. So, I mean, like, like that, that to me... I mean, that to me. Jalen Hurts. I'm sure there was the, the uh, two, three, two year, the year before Tua got there. Jalen Hurts was in that conversation. He was considered one of the no, best. Never, he was no, considered one of the best Jaylen players. Look, All right, hold on. Look, look, this is this is the last thing that I'll I'll kind of say on this. Right, LSU doesn't have a history or a recent history of developing quarterbacks. You keep mentioning Joe Brady. I don't know much about him other than he was a QB coach for the Saints for many years, and Drew Brees was a finished product when he got him. Obviously, things are better at LSU now on the offensive side of the ball, but that points to development, right? They have a coach. Ohio State, for the last five years, six years, has had a great development program for quarterbacks. Now, hopefully, LSU does as well. And Joe Joe Burrow is definitely benefiting from that, but you can't point to say LSU is the sole reason for Joe Burrow when you guys have no history in the last four or five years of developing anybody. Well, that argument is completely ridiculous on its face for a couple of reasons. Number one, there's a new staff in at LSU. 
So being that there's a, being that there's new staff in LSU, there's obviously the offense is totally different. So in three months he can become a, a Heisman. So that's why you should. So Van, that's why you should stop mentioning that first year he got there as your reference point yep. for why he's he's been developed. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is that what I'm saying is that if you watched him, if you, I'm talking, I'm not talking about the fact that he's putting up better numbers. I'm not talking about that. Yeah, he wasn't. I'm not talking about the fact that he's putting he's putting up better numbers. I'm not forget about that. I'm talking about the fact that last year he was completing balls at about a 57% rate. And when you looked at him, he did not look like a completely polished, ready QB. He was misguised. He would throw bad balls. He was, he was good. Man, but you know was, how much it, that relates to the system. Do you understand how I, I've seen two quarterbacks in the exact same, the exact same school under two different coaches have two different types of success. When you had Cardell Jones, for example, under T Tom Herman, look at, how, look at how good he looked. The same guy, the same throws that looks like, oh, he should be able to make those throws. Next year, when he didn't have him, he didn't look the same. So people, you know football deeper than that, that it's not just about, oh, did you, how did you look? It's also about what plays are being called, what time are they being called, what's the protection, do you trust your receivers, you know, are your receivers catching the ball, how well do you understand the offense? All of that stuff goes in, to how you look on the field. A good quarterback can look bad in a bad situation. Joe Burrow didn't just all of a sudden no, 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 get no, no. good wait, this wait, year. Wait, 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 and the wait, level of coaching wait, 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 that Joe... Let's, a the, good quarterback won't look as good. It's hard to make a good quarterback look bad. I mean, he didn't look bad. He had a like, fairly good hard, year. It's hard to make a... It's hard to, you, can make a, you, can make a, you can make an average quarterback... You can make an average quarterback look good, but it's very difficult to make a good quarterback look bad. He didn't like, look bad. Jared he just Goff, had an average year. Jared, a, Goff, Jared, average Jared, year. Jared Goff is a is an average quarterback that looked good in a system that's not working anymore. So, and by the way, Burrow over the course of the year, he got better last year. Yeah, like, he should. Like, Experience shows that. He got better. Yeah, he like, should. Without a doubt, even towards the end of the year. So all I'm saying is this. Like, for me, this, this is not a Joe Burrow LSU argument. This is what I personally believe. I believe that the voices that make you successful represent the success that you have that you're having where you are. And because I think, I, that, and, and, and I think I can agree with that conceptually. But I do think that there are certain circumstances. I do think that there's actual context that needs to be brought into individual circumstances. But yeah. look. Let, let's continue this conversation on, on Twitter. If you guys hit us up at Pilot Boys Pod, let us know what you guys think about this Joe Burrow conversation. And, Van, before we get you out of here, uh, just want to ask you about the LSU-Ohio State ranking. Obviously, the college football playoffs final um, ranking came out. LSU jumped Ohio State is number one. Ohio State is now number two. We know that has implications for the playoffs. What were your thoughts on it when you first saw that? I mean, honestly, I was—I I thought they got it right, but you know, <laughs> of course, at, you at did. At this particular point, um, every team is in the is in the playoff. I thought that uh, with being Georgia, um, which was the number four team in the playoff, that we had on resume alone earned a number one seed by virtue of the schedule we played and the, the games that we had won, and not just the games that we had won, but the big time national huge games, like beating te seven and five Texas. Played. Was that does that count? Does seven and five Texas count as a top ten win? Does seven and five Texas count as a top ten win? No, no, no. Well, we actually, actually <laughs> they counted. They factored that in as a top ten win. Do you think that was fair? But we don't. But we don't. But they don't because 
like we don't it, with with beating Georgia, we don't need Texas. We don't need Texas. Who's Georgia? Why is Georgia good? Tell me why Georgia is good. This Georgia year. had one of the best defenses in the country. They hadn't given up they hadn't given up twenty points to any team except for LSU. I don't think that Georgia I mean, the, the way I look at Georgia they, is this. You can't like you can't really look at Oregon or Utah or any of those other teams and tell me that they're definitively better than Georgia. Georgia was able to beat Florida. Georgia was able to beat Notre Dame. Georgia beat some, Georgia beat good teams. Georgia has more. Georgia has. They more also struggled Georgia against some some teams they shouldn't have, right? This year than Clemson does. Now we know that Clemson is better than Georgia, but if we're talking about if you're asking me why is Georgia good, I'm telling you because Georgia beat teams in big nationally ranked televised games that have five stars. Do you think there's an SEC bias, though? Just just as an SEC fan, do you think right now in college football that the SEC gets the benefit of the doubt when it comes to these things? And should they? To to me, I I can't speak to whether or not there's an SEC bias. I think that the top of the SEC is great. I think that the bottom of the SEC is not so great. Um, But what I can tell you is that if you look at teams like Florida or Auburn, or any of the other squads that you might look at. Like, me and, me and Mecca had a conversation, and Mecca was telling me about how terrible Mississippi State's been over the past six or seven years. He was absolutely wrong about that. Yep. Like, so I, 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 wonder, I wonder in other parts of the country how much you guys are actually paying to the other SEC teams other than the big juggernaut. So what I, all I'll say is that, I mean, Notre Dame isn't in – uh, isn't in the SEC. They weren't. I mean, if you don't think they've got a lot Georgia of political power, though. Any of the teams, any of the, if you don't think Georgia gets credit for any of the right teams that they beat, they're fine. Georgia sucks. Then I think Georgia. I think Georgia should get some credit. Obviously, they beat. You know, at the end of the day, I think, and this is kind of my my kind of final thoughts on the rankings. I think there aren't that many dominant team. They're only really this year there have been kind of three teams that you can look at LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State, who from beginning to end, maybe had a hiccup here or there, but from beginning to end have been fairly dominant. And outside of that, I I don't feel like anyone else even really deserves to be in that tier and in that conversation. So one of the things that I will say, I guess, about Georgia, and this is you know another point that somebody made to me on Twitter that I kind of agree with, is that it's not necessarily that I think Georgia's a good team. They're not a they're obviously a good team, right? It's not necessarily that I think um they're a bad team, but when you try to measure them against the rest of the teams in the country, mm, they're not that many other teams that are coming to mind. I don't think they're think. much better than Wisconsin. Right. So, so so again, and how many losses Wisconsin has three losses. Two of those are to Ohio State, yeah. which is a little bit, you know, it's kind of unfair that they had to pay, play them twice. But the reality is is that where I think the SEC bias is, and Van, we talked about this before, is not necess- it's the fact that Georgia can call themselves the fourth best team and that the committee can say out of their own fucking mouth that there was a real discussion at the end of the year after Georgia got their ass whipped by LSU that whether or not Georgia should be at number four over Oklahoma. And the fact that they even can fucking say something like that out of their mouth shows a couple things. One, a tremendous amount of bias. Two, the- it shows how scary... It is because it and, and how the power being concentrated in the committee of 12. Again, I don't know the, the better system, but how scary that thing could be because they live Georgia at four. And then we would have had LSU versus Georgia again in the fucking semifinal game. And that's where the bias, those at the margins right there 
That's where the bias really and, starts to rear its ugly head. And the truth is, like, for LSU fans and Ohio State fans, I mean, Clemson might have the best argument for being number one, right? They went undefeated last year. Mm-hmm. They won the national championship, came back undefeated again this year. So there's always, you know, with these committees, there's always going to be discourse about who, who I mean, deserves Clemson, to be. Clemson, Clemson, went, Clemson went undefeated this year. Clemson is a fantastic team. Everybody knows that we're going to find out how fantastic they are here in a couple of weeks. We're going to find out how good all these teams are in a couple of weeks. Um, including Oklahoma, which if LSU is not on their feet and Houston, Oklahoma, they can get around right there. But what I, my particular point is, listen, you ask me by, uh, by, by resume, I'll even point to the Texas game, right? Texas ended up having a bad season, not that good of a team. That was the second game of the year. The, the, the second game of the year to go on the road to Austin in a game with that much pressure on it when the team is still playing for everything. When they still have everything in front of them, that's a big game to win. I said, it, and and at and the time I thought it was a big game. Mm-hmm. That like like it's like that, that that's a big game to win, and also that's a big game for Joe because for the fans and for everybody else because we're looking at a brand new offense, a completely new. He delivered on third and seventeen over the middle touchdown to Jamar Chase. So it, 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 it's not a it's not an impressive win now, but then. Of course it was. Well, I also respect, I, I respect, unlike some other schools in the SEC who play Citadel and, you know, Eastern, the Church of, of, of the Blind State University, <laughs> I, I respect the fact that LSU decided to schedule a team like, like Texas. That's a big, that, I don't care, whenever you schedule that game, you ex- anticipate well, we that, that the, to be a big game. We do that all the time. LSU does. We, we LSU there, does. We like, we do that all the time. LSU does. I, I respect that. We go play people. Other people in the SEC don't do it. Um, other people, the people in the Big Ten don't do it. Well, so, well a lot of the top so programs do. We, we, like we, we, we do it all the time. Yeah, we got so, Oklahoma. I, I we got. We Oregon. beat the conference. We, we beat got, the conference USA champ and the ace. What's the conference that Cincinnati's in? Out of conference, runner up. They're both. Yeah, this year, this year was. I mean, was we, we had we, Cincinnati. You know, I mean, honestly, it wasn't the greatest great year Cincinnati. of out of, of yeah. out of conference. It wasn't the greatest year, but even Cincinnati is ranked higher than probably most of the out of Cincinnati conference teams. was in the top twenty five going into the weekend. Like, so it's not like they're just a rank. They, they, they have to be respected. Are as they a in the team. top twenty five now? Yeah, I'm sure they are. Where are they ranked? I don't, probably in the twenties. They lost to Memphis. Yeah, in the championship I mean, game. I'm, my, of their my, my, my point is that when you're talking about out of conference, is Texas ranked? So when you're talking about an out of conference game, no, Texas is definitely not right. And my point is that my point is that when you're talking about an out of conference game, you, whether or not it, Cincinnati doesn't sound like a big school to a lot of people, but the reality is they're 23rd actually, 23rd. I'm looking at it now. They're 23rd in the country, and that's a that's a good win. That's a good out of conference game. If you're playing the 23rd ranked team what, out of conference, that okay. counts for something. And what, Florida Atlantic what, won the conference. What's USA. Cincinnati's biggest win this year. Who they beat? They beat UCF, who at the time was ranked seventeenth at that time. Okay, so see, so see, so see, so see. Here's my problem: you guys can, you guys will talk about the what a quality <laughs> team that Cincinnati is when they beat UCF. Meanwhile, Georgia beat Florida, Notre Dame, and Auburn, and we got to kind of make make excuses no, or, or talk I, about why I'm not I'm not trying to tout I'm not trying to tout Cincinnati. <laughs> I'm not trying to tout yeah. Cincinnati 
as much as I'm trying to say. The that overall, you, you asked, you asked, no, I'm not arguing for Cincinnati. Not that good. You asked like, who did Ohio State play out of conference? Van, you asked who Ohio State played out of conference. Didn't you ask who Ohio State played out of conference? That was the answer. They played the 23 ranked okay. team. I, and matter. the conference USA winner. I keep saying that. Like, yeah. these aren't FCF schools that they're playing. Like, no, they're not the best. They're not LSU, Ohio State, Clemson. But if you look at Ohio State's schedule from top to bottom for the year, let's just be objective here. We beat five top 25 teams. We had to beat Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin twice, right? Five is greater than four. <laughs> so, like, I don't want to go there because in the uh, there is an SEC bias because if Clemson's was Alabama playing the exact same schedule Clemson played, they would be number one right now. We all know that. Yeah. So here's here's my thing, Van. Well, well if Clemson, no, wait, 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 wait. If Clemson, wait, what? If what if Clemson was Alabama, Alabama plays a soft schedule pretty much every year, right? And they don't no, get they knocked don't. for it. But they, but they don't, though, because they play in the SEC. They play in so the Alabama SEC, but their out-of-conference schedule Alabama, is terrible. If Alabama was undefeated right now, they'd have beaten LSU, and they'd have beaten Georgia, and they'd have beaten Auburn, and they might have beaten Florida. And so it, it, it's not the same. They usually, be, they usually play team, one tough team. The SEC now. West is... is doesn't have another team in their conference. They have a, a decent Virginia team. They don't have another team in their conference to test them, and they almost lost to North Carolina. Clemson is about to show the nation how good they are, and they are that good, and the nation is going to say, I'm not saying they're going to beat Ohio State. I'm saying it's going to be a great game, and they're going to get their opportunity to show them. But they are, they are exactly what they do. Yeah, I mean, I think, Clem- I think, I think, I think Clemson that's, is a real team. The way that it goes. I think Clemson's a real team who hasn't had the opportunity to be tested this year, and sometimes seasons just happen that way. You know, maybe it is their fault from out of conference scheduling, but you know, most of it has to do with their actual conference. And obviously, I'm not that bent out of shape about Ohio State getting jumped by LSU. I think it's it's a little annoying, but it's it's not at at the end of the day. I think to be the best, you're going to have to beat the best. And so, anyway, you guys on Twitter, holler at us at at Pilot Boys Pod. Let us know what you guys think about the final ranking. Van, yo, thanks for joining us. I'm sure this won't be the last time we we get into it and we talk. Uh, thanks for joining us on the Pilot Boys Podcast. All right, peace, y'all. Have a good one. All right, take care. Thanks for listening to the Pilot Boys Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple and Spotify and follow us on social media at Pilot Boys Pod on Twitter and at Pilot Boys Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Pilot Boys on YouTube. Don't forget, sharing is caring. Welcome back to the Pilot Boys Podcast. We are here with our resident college football insider, Zach Smith. Zach, what's up, man? How are you? Always a pleasure, man. Good to see you guys. Yo, How thanks you doing, for joining man? us. Great. Good. Yo, thanks for joining us, man. So, you know, we um, obviously this past weekend, you know, all of the championship games were finished. And on Sunday, we got the final college football rankings from the committee. Uh, LSU was ranked number one. Ohio State ranked number two. Clemson ranked number three. Oklahoma ranked number four, even though Georgia and uh, Oklahoma was tough uh, for the <laughs> ranking for a number four spot. But that's some bullshit. We don't even need to talk about that. Please, <laughs> please don't. Crazy. We better extend They're this crazy. episode. Extend Seriously. this episode if you want to talk about that. Seriously. So I, I wanted, we wanted to get your thoughts kind of on, on the final rankings. Um, obviously, the most significant thing, I think, is LSU jumping Ohio State to become number one in Ohio State, becoming number two. On a previous show, we actually had this conversation. 
and we asked, you know, whether or not there was anything that we thought could happen realistically where LSU could jump Ohio State. And we all kind of agreed that it had to be something crazy. LSU winning by 100 and Ohio State winning by one. And maybe that is kind of how they viewed the, the, the weekend. What's your, th- what are your yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that? I think that's in, – in reality, what, what happened? They saw Ohio State, I mean, down 21-7 at half, really struggled with, with Wisconsin. And I, and I think ultimately they viewed Georgia as a much better team than Wisconsin, which is asinine. It's ridiculous. But that's just – that's they're as biased as ESPN is. That's and, that SEC stuff that we keep and, talking about. And you know what? LSU beat the dog shit out of Georgia. They yeah. really did. Even worse than the score indicated. Yes. So it was kind of the that nightmare situation where Ohio State struggled in the first half. They had to come back, and they did. They had a, one of the most dominant second halves that they have had all year. Yeah. I mean, twenty-seven unanswered points. Just, I mean, just complete domination. Yeah. And so. That's that's all. That's what really happened. That's yeah. not the narrative. The narrative right. was they struggled and they won a somewhat close game. Yeah, I guess you'd call it a close game. But I, so I think that it, that's what played out is yeah. that LSU was that dominant and Ohio State struggled a little bit and it was like it gave them the opportunity to yeah. do it. Right. Yeah. It's not that should it have happened. It's right. that son of a bitch. We gave them we gave them just enough yeah. to actually do it. Yeah. And I think they wanted to see Clemson LSU too. Well, so, yeah. The reality is, and and you know I'm. I'm just now getting into a real deep analysis of, of the four teams and how they match up. Yeah. But having watched all year, they were going to get Ohio State Clemson anyways, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but it, this, it's it's funny because it's just so 2014-esque to me right now. Yeah. Like this, I think this is the biggest matchup of the com- possible sure. matchups is Ohio State Clemson. Yeah. And then I I wouldn't put it past Jalen Hurts and Oklahoma to upset LSU. That's, and now, I, 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 that's my prediction. You tell right them there. that they don't belong? Like yeah. Jalen Hurts is... He's a Heisman camp contender right. and and, I, and Lincoln Riley can coach the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, they have questions on their defense, yeah. but their defense is trending. It's right better. Now. It's better than it's ever been before. And then me. also in a one game scenario, I mean and anything can anything happen in a one game happen. scenario. So for people to act as if they have no chance, that's just ridiculous. And actually, I want to touch just a little bit on the actual Big Ten championship game with Ohio State, yeah. Wisconsin, and Ohio State starting probably having their worst half of football pretty much for the whole season. And we've actually talked about it a little bit on last week's show about whether or not playing the same team twice presented a certain type of challenge or whether or not that was kind of a trap. Do you feel like that's kind of what contributed to it? Because that that's the only thing that makes sense to me when I look at it is I say, okay, this is their worst half of football. What what scenario could could they have where they would play where they could actually not be hyped to play? And it literally only seems like a scenario where a team where you played and beat earlier in the season by 30 points and you're playing them and you have to play them again. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a combination of all those things. I think it's, but it's less, uh, how hyped are they to play? And it's more, Wisconsin's a really good team with really good coaches. They're going to do a lot of things differently. Mm-hmm. And they did, you saw it. They made a concerted effort. Number one, Chase Young was not going to sack the quarterback. That was just not going to happen. Right. They could have lost by 50 and everyone else could have had 12 sacks. Chase Young was not going to, Yeah, they weren't going to allow that. Right. So they're committing two, three people to him every single t- passing situation. And the other thing they said is they said, you know what, J.K. Dobbins is not going to run the ball 36 times for 200 yards on us. And right. and, and though J.K. did have a decent game, mm-hmm. I think they also knew that without the weather elements that Ohio State was going to throw the ball a little more. Yeah. And they saw the weakness that Ohio State has in pass protection, and they really went after it. I mean, they sacked J- uh, Justin Fields five times. What is that weakness in your in your mind? Uh, well, the sad thing is – so the, as the season trended, it was both tackles. Thayer Mumford and Brandon Bowen were, have been just average in pass pro. And J.K. has been very average. 
maybe below average in pass pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's been that's been the weaknesses of late. Now the problem is uh, on Saturday, Josh Myers, who was the starting center, who was, I mean, putrid in pass pro to start the year. You you could tell they really worked on it, and he got. I mean, he was my most improved player on the team. Mm. By the end of the year, he was phenomenal. They were protecting mm-hmm. him, and and he had a rough game. Uh, so it's yeah. it's a combined effort. The one guy that's phenomenal is Jonah Jackson. He didn't let, let up a QB pressure. He's yeah. him and Wyatt Davis played really well too. So yeah. I, it's it's a combi- combination of, of all. And Justin Fields doesn't help himself. He doesn't get rid of the ball sometimes. Right. So and I, the thing that the thing that really stood out to me is that what I look for is you get punched in the gut. How do you adjust? And I think more than any time. Ohio State fans' questions about Ryan Day were answered in this game because to see a team come back in the second half and make the adjustments and it looked like a completely different game, how much of that was coaching adjustments? And yeah, I mean, he, he so I've I've always said there's going to be a couple things you're going to see about Ryan Day that no one knows, not even Ryan knew, was mm-hmm. how he was going to be as a CEO. And, and you saw it from right when he got hired, the changes he made on the defensive staff. And then you've seen it throughout the year. And what he did on Saturday was, was he, I mean, you talk about some brass balls. To call a fake punt on your own 19-yard line on 4th and 9 or whatever it was is like when you feel – and it happened to us in 06, uh, Florida, Arkansas, SEC Championship game. Urban did the exact same thing, exact same scenario. We go on to win, go on to play Ohio State, the whole whole, uh, story. But it it all started with that one call, and Ryan, it was – I mean, it was masterful. And it's like for him to do that as a first-year head coach, Mm -hmm. it's like – Check mark, right. like just checking yeah. all the boxes. It's yeah. unbelievable. And I always, I always thought he would be like this type of head coach. Yeah, but you don't know until but he's putting up. He position. doesn't even know. Right. No one could say, "Oh, we we knew it." It's like, no, he didn't even know. He he's just doing it. He's just always on it out. time. Always on time. So one thing about that game that I guess probably Ohio State fans are wondering is, did that game from what we saw in the first half, whatever Wisconsin was able to do against Ohio State, are those things that are actual concerns in your mind? For Ohio State as they move forward to in this next game against a probably a tougher opponent, or do you, or is it more of just like well we played the same team twice they had an opportunity to kind of scheme against us differently, um, and three tough games in a row too right or yeah, yeah. Or three tough games and, in and a row. I think it's a it's it's going to be a, a combination effect the um, the the bad news is is everything Wisconsin did to attack Ohio State in the first half though Ohio State made adjustments now Clemson can watch what worked mm-hmm. and what Ohio State's answer was. So now they have the next answer. So, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's a chess game. Right. And uh, Ohio State, ultimately, it, it all comes down to the fundamentals of football. They tackled like shit in the first half. Yes. They didn't pass pro or block well in the first yes. half. Yes. They fixed it at halftime, did it in the second half. But if they do that again, they're going to lose to Clemson. Simple as that. Right. The, I mean, t- the tackling is my biggest concern going into the Clemson game. Etienne is a beast. Um, and if our linebackers are arm tackling, we're going to have some issues that game. And it, and it wasn't open field tackles. That's the concern. Mm-hmm. You're talking about schemed up between the tackles in the hole, just try to arm tackle Jonathan Taylor. Like, good luck. Yeah. What the what the hell are you thinking? Yeah. But um, it's tackling and pass. Pro- and, and the reality is Wisconsin lost the game because they had 30 missed tackles. 30. Oh, That's, wow. It might be the highest I've seen all year. Yeah. And it was mostly in the second half. You saw like Ben Victor caused, ben Victor, I think, yeah. seven missed tackles. KJ caused six missed tackles. It was, just, it was across the board. Right. Ohio State's offense kind of ignited. Yeah. And, and Clemson seems to kind of, in the last couple of years, and historically with Clemson being the team that Woody Hayes punched the player on, it's kind of been our kryptonite, right? Oh. Dabo's beat us twice. The first game was close. The second one, they shut us out. Like, what do you think he has or that program 
currently has on Ohio State when we go into games with them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it, the good thing is, is is it's a different Ohio State than than those other two times. Um, I think, and I've been saying it on my show all year. Brent Venables is is I'm not going to say he's the best defensive coordinator in the country. That's just a blanket statement. Yeah. But he's the most unique. He does shit on defense that is so hard to prepare for because it's all based on chaos. Like it'd be, it'd be like any other walk of life. Yeah. Brett Venables has no defensive identity. Zero. You can't. You cannot right now tell me what is his. Is he? Does he play quarters? Does he play thirds? Does he play man? Right. There's no identity. Yeah. He goes into every game and says, "All right, in this situation against this formation, this is the defense I want to run." And it, it changes throughout the game, and it's right. like it's just complete chaos. It's just very different. Yeah. And. There's going to be obviously positives and negatives to that. Obviously, Urban's offense and Ohio State just didn't handle that well. Right. And they, I mean, they also were loaded both years. I mean, you yeah. talk about Taj Boyd and Deshaun Watson. What? Right. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, right. good luck. Right. I mean, right. we not that we were yeah. short-handed Hall, at quarterback Hall of Fame either. receivers. <laughs> right. 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 I so mean, we'll, we'll probably in a future show, um, before the game, we'll probably get into more, yeah. a little yeah. bit more X's and O's. I actually want to ask a question um, somewhat related to the postseason games themselves so you know for now we have the heisman trophy ceremonies coming up and all these other awards like they call it the banquet circuit Mm -hmm. um we have justin fields and chase young are both heisman trophy finalists you also have both of those guys who are probably going to be winning a ton of other awards and what ends up what ends up happening is that these guys have to travel right they have to travel to new york at least for for the heisman trophy and banquets and dinners and all that other stuff and then you have a game that's coming up in less than three weeks and I guess my question to you is that, you know, in your experience, how, if at all, do you feel like that this kind of banquet circuit can potentially affect the individual performance of some of the players? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be all on Ryan Day. It's going to be all Ryan Day to, to, to keep the team focused. And, and it's not just the players now. You look around the country right now. Jeff Halfley is a leading candidate for the Boston College job. Uh, Kevin Wilson and Tony Alford are, are leading candidates for the Colorado State job. So these coaches are going out, and I mean, they, they might be doing an interview. Like the, it's it's the whole program. When you have success, it's what happens. Yeah. You get pulled nine hundred different directions, and it's on the CEO to really f- let that happen. All right, right, you go to New York. You're going to be there for two days. When you get back, it's about all right, refocus. Like right. that's that's nonsense. It's really good. Really, really well deserved. You should enjoy it, but we have a job to do, and we need to get it done. Yeah, and it's all—it's going to be on Ryan to really refocus everyone on the task at hand when it's time to do that. Right. The good thing about bowl games is you go through the the first phase of bowl prep, and coaches on the road recruiting, like whether you're award shows and all this stuff's going on or not, the, it's it's kind of a step back anyways from season. All you're, you're having two to three practices a week, trying to just keep your fundamentals right until you get to bowl prep, and by the time it gets to real bowl prep. I mean, they're going to have two weeks to prepare for a game, which is double what they normally have. Right. And all that stuff's over. It's yeah. like, all right, time to move on. Like, yeah. you, all right, you won the Heisman. You won this. That guy's going to be the head coach there. Cool. That's all cool. That's over. Move on. Let, now, here's what we need to do for two weeks to go win a big-time game. Yeah. The tough thing this time around is that Clemson doesn't have the players this year that are doing this circuit as well. And I know you were down in Florida during a big year for Ohio State when everybody expected us to win the national championship that time period, Troy won the Heisman. Mm-hmm. You know, Ted Ginn was getting all the hype. How does it? How does it affect? How do you think it's going to be for them being the underdog, kind of, even though they're the defending national championship champions? How is that going to play into this as well? And what fear should Ohio State have about Clemson being pretty pissed off right now? Well, Dabo's done a great job. You watch him all year, yeah. and he is just—he's just really using the media to just 
I mean, fire up his team, fire up the, his fan base, fire everyone up. Just about little old Clemson. Right. You know, we we won whatever he said. They were fifteen zero last year, beat Alabama by a hundred touchdowns, and we're undefeated this year. And everyone thinks we don't belong in the playoffs. He, he's really spinning. <laughs> yeah. And and to be honest, I agree with him. It's yeah, like, yeah. what else do you want him to do? Right. They, should, they, like, they have as much of an argument to be number one as anyone. Oh, they absolutely do. And but I think he's a great job with it. But don't make though they don't have anyone up for the Heisman, and they they certainly have their own success issues like Ohio State has. Maybe not on the same level, but their off, their co-offensive coordinator just got the South Florida head coaching job. Right. So he's got to still coordinate in the playoffs and be a head coach somewhere else. So right. they still have stuff going on. Yeah. And it, it happens to anyone that has success at that level. There's okay. going to be awards. There's going to be, you know, it's your celebrities. And yeah. it, it's so... So let me ask you a question about that, actually. that's You brought up an interesting point. So especially for the from the coaching perspective, if you get hired to go coach somewhere else and yet you still have to coach the bowl game, but then, isn't this period of time like one of the most critical times for recruiting as well? So oh. don't you like how how does that even work? How do you balance that? Yeah, up? so it's it changed entirely when they moved up the signing date. Use it used to be you could kind of do both, and then after the bowl game or at whatever, then you had a month till signing day to really get your class together. Right now, the that all happens before the bowl game. Mm. So uh, it's it's I think I think that's still a feel it out process where yeah. with some of these head coaches, like ultimately you're the head coach somewhere, right? Like, and and. They're they're never not going to go to the playoffs because that's the greatest recruiting tool they have for their new school. Right. I mean, you saw Tom Herman put on Houston hats after we won the national championship. <laughs> right. Like that's why he continued to do it. He right. was, he had a job to do somewhere else. But right. um, it's it's definitely uh, it's a definitely a, a sensitive time because there's a lot of preparation that needs to go into a, a just a huge game. Yeah. But. They have signing day somewhere else, right? So they got to do and something. As, as far as recruiting goes, when that happens, when a coach gets hired somewhere else, and say they were responsible for certain recruits, are there like unwritten laws of you're not going to recruit this kid to to your new school, or is it just kind of if you can win them, you can win them? I mean, there's unwritten rules. There, I mean, there's respect factors, but at the end of the day, you're the head coach somewhere. Yeah kiss my ass right. like yeah i'm gonna be honest if south florida takes a kid from clemson <laughs> sorry yeah. clemson right. like yeah. that's that's on you yeah and it's funny you say that because I, I remember back to 08 uh at florida when we were playing oklahoma um dan mullen was the offensive coordinator he got the head coaching job at mississippi state and i forgot about this entirely until you just asked that and he had responsibilities but it was understood that other people on staff had to pick up those responsibilities because he had two jobs to do and tim tebow and i sat down i was the ga and did the entire third down game plan for the national championship game <laughs> and wow I, and i mean tebow's talked about it a number of times yeah and it, it's just it's just what happens right. somebody's got to do it somebody's got to yeah. do it and you know what if you're good enough you're gonna put in plays that you run you know it's, it's yeah. it is what it is but okay last question and we'll, we'll get you out of here on this yeah. You know, you've you've been to the postseason many times and under many different systems at many different schools. I guess just as a coach, right? What is what is the most exciting part about the postseason for a coach, and then what you've seen also for the players? Um, honestly, like it depends on the coach. For me, I just I just cared about my players specifically, and really all the players. That was what I was always known for. I was always in the locker room, building relationships with D linemen. Oh, it didn't matter. And so, just to watch them get to experience the. The coolest thing to watch, especially if you're the receiver coach, like no one really gives a shit about you. Like you go to these media days and it's like, no, they might talk to you for a minute, like the dispatch, but right. really they're there for the head coach and yeah. the stars, which is what they should be. Right. So it was just so cool to just sit back. I mean, you go into a room and it's like you walk in and you feel like 
you just got named the new president of the United States, or like you're at the Super Bowl. I mean, there's guys on podiums with like 20 cameras, and just the buzz is insane. And I used to, every time, every year that I went to the playoffs or national championship, I would sit back and watch and just think like, this is so cool. They get to experience this because yeah. they deserve it. Right. And it, right. Th- that was my favorite. For it's bizarre, I guess, but that was my favorite thing yeah. about it no, was just seeing them experience that platform and kind of like all that hard work. I'm here, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's funny not to not to be a downer in this conversation, but when I look at it, I I, I have mixed emotions. I, I feel what you feel. Also, I see like wow, these guys get to finally kind of reap the you know reward of all the hard work they put in. But then just my business mind looks at it too, but I'm like, wait, sponsored by who? Okay, wait, this is given by who? You know, and, and they get a gift bag with like a PlayStation. <laughs> right. And you just see the money that goes through it. But oh. but at the end of the day, you know, I think the good news is I think the system Right. It's, it's trending the right it's way, right? Yeah, right it way. Is. I I could not agree with you more. Yeah. But it, I think there's some momentum. There's so definitely momentum. And I think honestly, and I do think it is up to people like us who are aware and who have information in the platform to talk about it and to start getting the messages out there. Because at the end of the day, things don't change until people feel like they have to change. That's a fact. You know, people have to feel the pressure. But anyway, thank you so much for joining us today. Obviously, on the Pilot Boys podcast, you're great. Your insight is always great. Don't forget to check out Zach Smith's podcast minister sports you can check it out on all platforms follow him at coach zach smith on social media i got my minister sports hat on today oh yeah and grab some of that merch we'll talk to you soon <laughs> cool that's all we have for today's show big thanks to our special guests andre griffin van lathan and zach smith thanks to everybody for listening don't forget sharing is caring subscribe to the pilot boys podcast on apple spotify patreon and youtube and please follow us on social media at Pilot Boys Pod on Twitter and at Pilot Boys Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Always remember to be you. You is fly. Pilot Boys out. Pilot Boys, we go. Pilot Boys, we go.